0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to OT with DA and NTR. We just finished our first ever AMA. That is to say, AUA, which I think AMA is Ask Me Anything, and we did the AUA, Ask Us Anything. 30 minutes of rapid-fire questions. If you missed it, you missed it. Sorry about that. Um, But we are in Chapter 34 of Patriarchs and Prophets, this is our textbook as we're reading through a large portion of the Old Testament, 75-day challenge. And uh, Nathan, I got to ask you a question. Yeah. On the way over here, when we were in the car, I was like, man, I'm really enjoying this. I really love it. But then you said, man, I don't think I could do this. It's a lot of work. It's a
1: lot of work. I mean, it's four hours. It takes about four <laughs> hours a day. So it's too much, you think? Well, I mean, I, it's just four hours a day forever. But, you know, I'm like a church pastor. So like if I were to, yeah, you do, wouldn't have the time this, to do it, would it would just be like crazy. Right. Yeah, I got but. you. Fair
0: point. Um, so welcome, everybody. We are super glad that you are here. Good morning from South Africa. Hello. We're back. Yay, somebody says. Family. Hi, you two. Hello again from Virginia. This was another sad chapter. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah true. it's a bit of a sad chapter. A bit. It's a it's a <laughs> bit of a sad chapter. <laughs> it's, it's a bit more than a bit sad. Hello from Columbia, California. Hey, oh, from, uh, th- that's, that's Sherry Pratt. Pratt. Hi, Sherry. We love you. Um, welcome everybody. We are super pumped that you are here. We're in chapter 34 titled the 12 spies. And, uh, we are in the midst of our 75 day reading challenge. We're getting very close to halfway through. Hey, here's somebody right? from Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Hey, Nathan pastors in Nashville. You should go to his church.
1: <laughs> she she met the person by it. I can't tell who it is. <laughs> yeah. Such a small uh, little screen. So we are, uh, I think I've already welcomed everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a good day today, Nathan? I had a great day. Had a great day. Preached at uh, Franktown Seventh Day Adventist Church, and we ate some, some good food. Had some nice meal with some new people, new friends. Hung out with me. Hung out with David. That was a look at my brother-in-law, Eugene.
0: Hi, Eugene. Hey. We love you. Um, are we ready? Yeah. Let's dive in. Okay, I'll pray first. Okay. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love, for your kindness. Thank you for OT with DA. Thank you for OT, the Old Testament. Thank you for DA, David Ashford thank you for Nathan, and thank you for all these people that are tuned in. Father, if we spent the time to thank you for all the things that we have to be thankful for, Lord, that's all we would do. Hmm. All we would do is just thank you, and and there would be no end to all of the things that we could thank you for. And so, Father, we just want to live in that attitude of worship, that attitude of gratitude, that attitude of awareness that all of the good things that we have flow from you, And Father, help us to appreciate that. And when bad things happen to us, help us not to see you as the source of those things, but to realize that life is hard and the world is a tough place. And you're trying to bring us to yourself. You're trying to bring us to safety. Mm -hmm. Father, that's really what today's chapter is about. You're trying to bring your people to safety, and yet they refuse to go. And Father, there's lessons in here for us. There's times where you're trying to get us into a place, into a frame of mind, into a state of mind, and we just refuse to go there. So, Father, help us to learn the lessons from chapter 34, the 12 spies, and bless our time together Is our prayer in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Okay, so, Nathan, I'm not sure I hit record on one of the things, so can you just go,
1: you keep going, yeah, and yeah. I'll
0: get us started. I'll be right back.
1: So, Numbers 12, uh, Numbers chapter 13 and 14, it's this just tragic story of Israel being right on the cusp of the promised land, and that's that, that was the first thing that I noticed. Okay. It's like, they're right on the cusp. took
0: and them 11 days to get there right yeah, yeah
1: they have their 11 day journey they show up and I, I don't know i just just the closeness to the promise being fulfilled and then to have that snatched away it's it's really a heartbreaking but, story no that's
0: true but wouldn't you agree with this statement that the closeness is actually illusory they're not ready to inhabit the promised land like yeah. like yes they are physically there they are there geographically, right. but because they're not there, they're not in a place where they're ready yet. It's literally impossible for them to go in. Yeah, it's impossible for them in the state of mind, the frame of mind that they're in. So I love what you're saying. I, I appreciate what you're saying, but to me, I think the proximity, the closeness, is actually an illusion. I, mm. I think they're they're there on the edge, but in in terms of their like response to God and their trust in Yahweh, I think they're they might as well be back in Egypt. Almost. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I, did, I didn't think about that, but it's a great point. Well, this is actually going to be one
0: of the major themes that I'm, I saw in this chapter. Mm-hmm. And I read the chapter twice. To be honest, the first time I read it through, I was like, ooh, I'm not really sure I'm seeing anything fresh or new to bring that, mm-hmm. that I haven't thought of before. I read it back through the second time, and this happens a lot. <laughs> Ideas, how, how mm-hmm. come
1: I had not seen mm-hmm. that stuff just starts popping out at me? You know, it's sort of like we were talking about in the uh, the the what, Question, what it, the AMA the, in the AMA. Yeah, that's right, right. Like unhurried devotional yes. life, yes. Spending the time reflecting without the press of time, yeah, really allows make you make that
0: pitch, Nathan. Yeah. It, it just it, t- talk to the people here. Make that. Pitch. Well, it's
1: just if we really want to have a satisfying prayer life, a satisfying devotional life, it really requires us to to approach it in an unhurried way right? Because mm. if, if we're hustling and we've got like, hey, I need to check this box and just finish this out, you're not really opening yourself up to, to hear what you might need to hear. So anyway. And, and just even what you're saying there is so unmodern. It's so non-modern,
0: like yeah, yeah, yeah. slow down and read an ancient book. You know, you know how crazy that would sound to a lot of people, irreligious people, non-Christian yeah, people yeah, like, yeah, "What? Yeah. What are you talking about? I got to be checking my apps. I've got to be, you know, whatever, you know, phoning in my food order or whatever the thing is. Yeah. We're so surrounded by the artificiality of life that just to just to pump the brakes and mm-hmm. slow down and listen to the birds and look at the sunset and read and then read it again and then read it again. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it takes discipline. It takes time to make time to be unhurried in your connection with Jesus. Yeah, totally, totally. So this, this, this is a great example for, for me in this situation. Yeah. If I had only read this chapter through the one time, which took me, I don't know, say 20 minutes or 30 minutes, mm-hmm. I would have walked away and thought, yeah, yeah, that's a good story. And I would have had a few insights. I then went back and read the passage, uh, Numbers 13 and 14, from the text of Scripture, mm-hmm. then went back and read it looking more, and all of a sudden it starts to pop. Mm-hmm. So I had, that was my experience. That's awesome.
1: It's awesome.
0: Um, okay, so one of the questions I have for you, Nathan, and maybe you can just answer this for me because I've yeah. always been confused about this. Who Whose idea was it to send spies? Because I've heard people say with equal parts, you know, with conviction equally, that no, this was God commanded them to send the spies. And that does seem to be what Numbers 13 and 14 intimates. But then here she says that uh, she it says was it was proposed by, by, by the, the people. people. Do, are you definitive on this? No. Okay, me neither. So you don't, you're don't.
1: you not... No, it's not... What did you
0: think? Uh, when you think about the story, is this something that God's like, okay, send in the spies, or... Like, when you just thought about the story is what I'm asking. I
1: guess I, you know, I've spent so... Maybe I'm making a classic Adventist mistake where right. you're so informed by Ellen White that you... Forget where the lines are between what Scripture says and what she says. Yeah, if you read Numbers thirteen and fourteen, it. Yeah. I did not detect any place
0: where it says that the people generated this, that this was the mm. idea of the people.
1: Now, isn't this? The yeah. Sto- it just starts out. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan. Right. I mean, that's it. It now. I think we could say to my to my
0: mind, it does seem kind of weird. And just follow this line of reasoning with me here. So the Egyptian the, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Right. They're slaves in Egypt. It's not like they're they're going on these long journeys here, there, over to Sinai been, and then over. Frankly, to nobody
1: went on long journeys. Exactly.
0: Anywhere. So so all of the territory in front of them is unknown to them. That's my point. Yeah. Right? Like, with the exception of Moses, who spent, you know, 40 years wandering around the Midianite wilderness, but that's right. an exception. Right? Like, they're going to places, for example, when they got to the bitter waters. Moses knew before they got there. Oh, this is going to be disappointing to them because they're going to see all this water and think it's going to be tasty, but it's bitter. He knew what was coming. They mm-hmm. didn't know what was coming. So mm-hmm. here's my point: if everything that's been in front of them up to this point has been unknown to them,
1: mm-hmm. right? Yeah,
0: it's all new. It's like if you go to a new country you've never been to before, or a new state you've never been to before. It's all new to you. And then now, right here, right when they get on the the threshold of the promised land, now they say we're going to send in spies. I wonder if it's intimated here that that's why we say, well, this must have been their idea, because every
1: other time God's leading them. A couple of people have posted here, and it's, uh, it's Deuteronomy 1.22. Okay, right. Uh, this person said one two. It's one twenty-two. Then all of you came to me and said, let us send men ahead and spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. No, yeah, well, that's clear. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected twelve of you, one man from each tribe. Now this so is, this is Moses speaking, correct? Correct. And of course, this is a reflection on their past history, right? Deuteronomy is written later, right? Right. So this means that it was the people. The people came yeah. up with the idea. When but it's you read it in but it, numbers, but it, that that begs an interesting question, okay, right? Like, go ahead. The question is, and I don't want to get into this. No, no, no. It's, it's here, good but, though. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan. Which the Lord said to Moses. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because often you see God taking responsibility for things, mm. but the actual story is a little more nuanced than that. Right, because even here,
0: when Moses himself, I mean, Moses knows the story. Right. Moses wrote Numbers. Moses wrote Deuteronomy. So even here, when he writes the story, in the Deuteronomy passage that we just read, 122, he says, you came to me and said,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. and I thought,
0: well, that's, that seems like a reasonable idea. But here in the numbers story, God is just saying, go do this. Go do this. So maybe this is in response. Maybe the thing that he describes in Deuteronomy 1 has already happened. In other words, that they right, hey, right, right, got right. this idea. And then Moses is like, hmm, let me check with the Lord on that. So he checks with the Lord. And then the Lord says, yeah, do that.
1: Right. And probably my my guess is we see that there's a lot of dissatisfaction, a lot of a, a huge lack of trust in God's leading. Correct. So, so this is kind of like a maybe like a this is like a tree of knowledge of good and evil kind of circumstance. Okay, unpack that. In other words, God is God is they're asking to do this. God is granting permission to do this. God, of course, knows what's what exactly kind of what Chad Stewart says. God's permissive
0: will versus God's exactly. preferential will. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but I'm so glad I asked that question because I, I obviously have read this all before, and I knew that in my mind I had this tension, this competing idea. Was this something that God initiated or something the people initiated mm. right like whose idea was this and it made sense to me like when i read ellen white saying here that the the people it was proposed by the people that makes way more sense to me because they haven't been sending spies out all along the way right, right. the the pillar has been leading them and the ark now after sinai has been leading them on this journey so why do they get here and then they're like okay ooh, stop stop everything stop the caravan now we got this idea Hey, let's take some matters into our own hands and make right. sure it's going to be good out And it there. actually strikes me as a bad idea. Like Moses says, "Oh, that seemed reasonable." It seems to me like,
1: well, the, that's not how it's
0: worked every day before. All right. of this is new territory.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then when the spies go out and explore it, I love what Ellen White says. Yeah, here. she says they enlarged upon the difficulties and dangers that lay before the Israelites should they undertake the conquest of Canaan. Right. I mean, this is just this is like, isn't this human nature? Right. right? Like, oh, we got a problem, and maybe the problem's a little problem, but we're now all of a sudden magnifying this problem, making it huge. Yeah, in yesterday's
0: chapter on page 457, 380 of the original, remember she used this phrase, all their hardships, even their imaginary sufferings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we already know that the children of Israel are prone to exaggeration, right? Like, like Aaron, you know, he said, oh yeah, they threw this gold in and this calf jumped Hopped out. Like out. Yeah. everybody's sort of making these rationalizations to try and justify their bad behavior yeah and and here the 10 spies for whatever reason we'll we'll get to that in just a bit they didn't want to go in and so they make it seem like really hard to go in and and let me just back up here at the bottom of page 466 uh, 387 of the original ellen white uses a lot of phrases here that alert us to the attitude of the people what they Mm -hmm. were expecting what they were hoping for listen to these phrases Uh, cherishing high hopes, waiting in eager expectancy, rejoicing. They rushed out to meet the messengers, Mm. right? They rejoiced. I'm in the next paragraph. They listened intently. The people were enthusiastically. They would eagerly obey. All of that leads up to what you just read. All but two of the spies enlarged upon the difficulties and dangers. So one of the things that to me emerged in this chapter was the pendulous nature of and the, and the really fickle nature of human beings. Like, they're excited, they're enthusiastic, they're rejoicing, they're rushing out to meet them. And as soon as there's the mildest indication of difficulty, right, they start to kind of lot. Enlar- well, actually, it's not going to be as easy as you thought. Then, then pendulously, they swing all the way back to terror and an yeah. unwillingness to go. I mean, don't
1: you think that if more people read this book, church life would be so much better? Okay,
0: unpack that. Right, plate. like,
1: in church life, you see this happen, right? Like, there are ideas and there is momentum and then you get some grumblers and then they kind of put the brakes on and then their influence is contagious exactly and and it's just like if we just trusted in god and his leadership and thank you what he was trying to do thank you i just think if we took the lessons of this chapter, it could really enhance the way we live together. And there's
0: a real irrationality in this whole... Oh, she actually uses... Okay, I'm going to get to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you go. No, 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 you go. There's a real... Okay, let's think this through. Let's just think this through. You get to the threshold of of the promised land. Why are you sending in spies? Yeah, okay, so let's crazy. just say the only answer would be, well, to see what the land is like and to see if it's dangerous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. So everybody already knows that there's some <laughs> level of danger. I mean, she calls it a perilous undertaking. Right, right. So it's not like they thought they were going to Club Med. It's not like they, they right. were going to some, you know, five-star resort and had a great time and they're coming back to report on, you know, the quality of the food and the cleanliness of the rooms. right. This is a perilous undertaking. So when they come back and say, well, actually it was kind of perilous. Mm-hmm. Why are the people... Oh, yeah, and we we knew that. We already knew that. We knew the Canaanites live here. Yeah. And then I had this idea, and it's total conjecture, so shoot it down if it's... I mean, I could be totally wrong, and I, yeah. I concede that. Why might the 10 spies magnify the difficulties and the dangers? Like, what would be a motivation there? I can think of two. What's One that? would be, well, maybe they went in there and they were like, this is scary and we're afraid and we don't want to go in. So just human fear. Yeah. Then the other might be to make themselves look a little more courageous. Ooh. Oh, like we went in there. Let me tell you how tough it was. We do this all the time. Mm -hmm. Like we did something and it was a little hard, but when we tell our friends, we're like, oh, it was the hardest thing I ever did. It was the Mm hard. I don't know if you could have done it, but I was able to do it. And there's a little bit of that maybe sort of pride in like, oh, it was very, I mean, I don't know if all of you could do this. I mean, Mm -hmm. we barely did it. And look, at we're pretty, you know, we're pretty epic. We're amazing. I mean, we were the ones that were chosen to go in for our skills, for our abilities. So there's a little bit of that, like hierarchicalism, mm-hmm. that sort of one-upmanship. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just wondering why that might be. I don't know. But then when Joshua and Caleb, they're like, "Yo, yeah, it was a perilous journey, but we have got this, yeah. no problem." Then the ten sort of dig in their heels and say, "Well, no, it was harder than they're saying." And you can kind of imagine this, and again, this is conjecture, but you can imagine there would have been this dynamic. Where Joshua and Caleb, because she actually says that when they spoke up, they didn't contradict anything that they had said about the difficulty.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't
0: say, no, none of that's true. It's like Club Med. It's going to be great. We're going to walk in and it's going to be fine. What they said was, yeah, this is true, but our God. And then the 10 are like, no, 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 no. It's harder than they're making it out to be. And then you get this back and forth. And the Israelites, who remember when they left Sinai and they started to go through the mountain passes, they were already like, oh, this, this is harder than we thought it would be. We don't like this. This is... So they're prone to believe the evil report, the report that increases the danger, and you can see how that could cascade mm-hmm. out of control.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting. Don't we, don't we latch onto the negative, right? Like, right. How many times I, I, I've eaten at tons of restaurants and I thought, man, this food is just incredible. I love this food. And I never think this restaurant's so good I should leave a review. Usually what happens is I have a negative experience and I'm like, this was such a horrible experience. I should leave a review. The only mm-hmm. ever—I never leave reviews, but the only time I'm ever tempted to leave a review is when it's bad.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: it's. I think it's a natural uh, human tendency. Yeah, human tendency. Uh, I love this this paragraph, last paragraph. 467. 467, yeah. Yep. Now, now the scene changed. Hope and courage gave place to cowardly despair as mm. the spies uttered the sentiments of their unbelieving hearts, which were filled with discouragement prompted by Satan. Their unbelief cast a gloomy shadow over the congregation, and the mighty power of God, so often manifested in behalf of the chosen nation, was forgotten. The people did not wait to reflect. They did not reason that he who had brought them thus far would certainly give them the land. Let's just stop there. They did not wait to reflect. This to me was one of the most powerful points. That, right there. You just get sucked in. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it's 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 really easy to just make a quick snap thing without really taking the time to to process it through a spiritual biblical god-centered view. You're talking about just ideas just, just well, just life experience, right? right? Like life experience, life comes at you at a, a million miles a minute and well, how let, do we respond let me we use me take an, the time to reflect? Let yeah. me use an illustration that might upset some people here.
0: Very often we are told, for example, by the media or by celebrities or by others, how we should feel and think about a situation. And we just do it. Exactly. We just do it. We just think, oh, oh, a person on a screen told me that this is how I should think and feel about this situation. And oh, look, lots of other people are thinking and feeling like this person on the screen said, now we should all think and feel like this. And uh, you run into a lot of well-meaning Christian people who have just bought in to whatever the narrative is rather than taking the time to what? Reflect, to reason. And then the next sentence that she uses is the phrase, call to mind to process this information because Mm -hmm. this is information that's coming into them, right? This is a report. And they sit back and go, okay, let's think this through. Let's reason Mm -hmm. through this biblically. Let's reason through this knowing that Yahweh is our God in our context, Jesus is our Savior, and yep. now we can be informed about how to think about something, how to relate to something, rather than just, oh, there was a report, lots of people are thinking this, lots of people are saying this, and that's what we're going to think and say and feel.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the next page, she says, They're un- uh, in their unbelief, they limited the power of God. Right. I understand that. that. That, to me, was so powerful. It's like, right. whoa, the infinite God who has unlimited power was limited by
0: their unbelief. Yeah, okay. So that's at the top, everybody make note of this. First of all, note, it's a great point, Nathan, and I'm gonna riff off of that. First of all, notice that she uses the word unbelief, mm-hmm. right, in their unbelief. Go back to the paragraph just before that, and, and left first sentence, the it says, as the spies uttered their sentiments, the sentiments of their unbelieving hearts, next sentence, their unbelief cast a gloomy shadow, So she's clearly driving at this idea that there's an unbelief, right? There's an unbelief. And I'm just trying to decide if I should give my whole punchline right now. I'll give part of my punchline right now. Now go to 470. Go to 470, bottom of page 470, 390, 391. Listen to this. The Lord promised to spare Israel from immediate destruction, but because of their unbelief and cowardice, watch this, he, what? Could Could not manifest his power to subdue their enemies. Not that he would not,
1: Nathan. Mm-hmm,
0: it doesn't mm-hmm. say God is not being capricious here. God is not being arbitrary here. And there's a subtle little point. I want you to see if, if I'm onto something mm-hmm. here. What she says is God could not do what he wanted to do for them because of their unbelief. Yep. This is your point, right back at the top of that page. Yeah, exactly. They, their unbelief, Limit. In their unbelief, they limited the power of God. Well, do you know what this sounds like? This sounds like Matthew, the last verse of Matthew chapter 13. Do you know what verse I'm going to quote here?
1: As Uh, soon as I quote it, you'll be like, of course. I actually think I thought of this verse. Matthew
0: chapter 13, verse 58. This is what it says. Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth. And it says, now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Not that he would not, he couldn't. Because the kinds of things that God does in the world require faith. Yeah, they require belief. It is a it is a cooperative venture. Yeah, right. And so, the task at hand here to go into this land is is serious. I mean, these things are true. They were saying there are walled cities, and the sons of Anak are there, and it is not going to be easy. So, how are you going to take a ragtag band of former slaves and proud to being slaves shepherds and go and overtake these walled cities? Yeah. Well, the answer is you're not. You're you you are not going to be able to do that. You're going to have to believe, you're going to have to have yeah. faith that Yahweh can do it. And check this out, Nathan. If you don't believe that he can do it and you don't have the faith, then guess what? It cannot happen. Yes. yes. It cannot happen. God can't manufacture your faith. God can do what God does. God opens the Red Sea and God brings you to the base of Mount Sinai and God gives you instruction. God can do all of what God does, but what God yeah. cannot do is generate your faith. Yeah, he he can't manufacture your faith, and so this is
1: very important. It's not just that he wouldn't do this; he, he couldn't. couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't. I, I think your point is an awesome point because uh, on page four seventy three three ninety three in the original, uh, at the end of the paragraph, at the end of the at the very top of the page, it was not his purpose that they should gain the land by warfare, right? But by strict obedience to his commands. And how do we obey? By faith, by faith, yeah. So, but the point is, is that it's not like if the conditions were right, these guys would be militarily sufficient. Exactly. they there, not. There's up no to circumstance it. where they're militarily capable. Correct.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's my point. It's not a thing that can happen. There, yeah. there, are things that you and I can do. If somebody says, "Hey, David, would you move that chair to the other corner of the room?" Like, right. Yeah, I can do that. Sure. Right. But if somebody says, "Hey, David, would you move the house to the other side of this piece of," what? Yeah. Move yeah. the yeah. house. How... I can move the chair, but I can't move the house. This is not a move the chair kind of a thing that they're doing. They're going in to inhabit this land. They are not militarily up to it, as we see when they try to be militarily up to it. So the thing's going to require them to believe that God can do something they can't do. But they never get to the God can do it part. They just get stopped up at the, well, we can't do this. This is not a thing we can do. And rather than comparing their situation to their God, they compare their situation to themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You feel me? And then they fall right into the, the pattern of murmuring against Moses. Right. Right? right? Because, because he's the just figure. Like, right. That's the way it works. Where are you at? Yeah. I'm back on 468. Yeah. Okay. I'm back there too. Yeah. Um,
0: so th- the whole thing kind of escalates, right? Because mm-hmm. the 10 and the two are arguing. Yeah. And uh, then you have the paragraph there. The people were desperate. This is 468, 389 of the original. Mm-hmm. The people were desperate in their disappointment and despair. A wail of agony arose and mingled mm. with the confused murmur of voices. And Caleb sees where this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This just, this suddenly got to a place where it's like, we're not just having an argument here about how difficult it's going to be and when we're actually going to go. He's sensing these people aren't going to go. Yeah, yeah. And so he runs into the, the middle of it, comprehensive situation, takes a bold stand rushes in and starts saying, look, it's a goodly, goodly land and the walls are high and the Canaanites are strong, but God has promised the land to Israel, let us go up at once and take possession. Yeah.
1: We are well able to overcome it. You know, it's so fascinating. He does not contradict what, what they said. And right. So what's, what's, what's important here is not the thing, it's the interpretation of the thing. Okay, unpack. This. Right? So 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 often in life, Two people can look at the same thing. Well, oh, Becky Renner just made a really good point. Several Let's people are saying, good point, Becky. I want to see what she said. People are like, great point, Becky.
0: Okay, one thought I'm having is that God couldn't manufacture their faith, but he would have loved it if they would have asked him to help their unbelief. That's exactly mm, right, Becky point. Lynn Renner, and we love you. That's a great that point. Is the. We can go to God and say, God, I'm having trouble believing I can move this house. We're having trouble believing that we can go into this land with these walled cities and these giant people and God's like, no, no, no. And he can grow their faith, but he That's can't right. create faith in a rebellious, discouraged, despairing heart. He just can't do that. Right.
1: They, they got to be willing to have it happen.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, God's not going to make our decisions for us. Yeah. Right. That would be predestination. That would be God doing for us what we refuse to have done for ourselves.
1: Like, Who's in charge of this operation? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Great point. So it's it's actually the there's there's this battle over the interpretation, right? Like, okay, the yeah. facts are the facts, and the battle is over the interpretation, and and one group is taking an interpretation based on their capacity, correct? And then the minority is taking an interpretation based on God's bringing capacity. God into the into the question, which they refuse to because left they left out reflect. of the question. They had not forgotten. They had not reasoned. Exactly they had not right. called to mind. So 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 often like again in life it's like there is a basic agreement about things right like this this problem we're facing is this a church, is what it is it's too big and we have a choice to take the problem with belief or unbelief Whew. Okay so I'm just going to I'm going to put my
0: sort of my major punchline here on the table because you're, we're just dancing all around it we're mm-hmm. basically saying it Ellen White again and again and again in this chapter and come on this brief journey with me highlights the irrationality Ooh. of the whole situation yeah. I love and this. let me just show you this so you've already highlighted this nathan 467 bottom of that page but i'm just going to do it anyway listen to these words forgotten they did not wait to reflect they did not reason and then uh in the very next little bit there they did not call to mind okay mm-hmm. come with me on this journey um now i'm over on page 469. This is 389 of the original paragraph begins. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. Revolt and open mutiny quickly followed for Satan had full sway. And the people seemed bereft of reason. Isn't this interesting? Mm -hmm. Now watch, he's going to keep driving at this point. Um, I'm turning the page now. I'm on 470, 390, 391 of the original Uh, top of the first paragraph, the Canaanites, that paragraph, the Canaanites had filled up the measure of their iniquity, jumped down to sort of the second sentence but the false report of the unfaithful spies was accepted, and through it the whole congregation were what? Deluded. Deluded. What does deluded mean? Not in touch with reality, right? Mm-hmm. If a person is deluded, they are not rational. They are not thinking clearly, okay? Jump down to the next paragraph that begins the unfaithful spies. Look at the second sentence. The insane mob. Mm. What does the word insane mean? Not sane. What does sane mean? In your right mind, mm-hmm. thinking clearly, thinking linearly, thinking rationally. Look at what she can, goes on to say. Next sentence. They rush forward with yells of what? Madness. Madness. I mean, she, she's clearly drawing on all of these different synonyms here to make her point. We haven't even gotten to my favorite one yet. Next page, 471. Paragraph begins, when Moses made known to the people mm-hmm. the divine decision, their rage. Mm-hmm. What is rage? It is uncontrolled, irrational, dramatic anger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and then now here's my favorite. Here's my favorite, favorite. Uh, next paragraph. Now they seemed to sincerely repent of their sinful conduct. And we can come back and go over all yeah, of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just want you to see this. Right in the middle of that paragraph, they knew that they had deeply sinned in allowing their rash, rash feelings. Mm. Their rash feelings. And uh, I've got one more here. Uh, I think I've got one more. Page 473. Paragraph, uh, this is uh, 393 of the original. Paragraph begins though their hearts were unchanged, Jump down to the second sentence. They now saw the value of blessing, which they had so rashly cast away. And then one more, twice she uses the word desperate. Okay, Mm -hmm. all of these words, from desperate to rash to uh, madness to insane to deluded to rash feelings to bereft of reason, forgotten reason, reflect, did not reflect, did not reason, and did not call to mind is all saying the same thing here that they were not thinking, right? They were not thinking. And because they weren't thinking, because they were merely feeling and fearing, they did not compare their situation to their God. They, in their irrationality, compared their situation to themselves. And then they basically just escalated into an unthinking, feeling, fearing mess. That's my punchline.
1: I totally agree, and there was one in there that I saw that I absolutely loved on the same theme. It's page 468, Okay, bottom of the page, uh, the paragraph that begins, these men, and then you come almost to the bottom. This was not only an evil report, but it was also a lying one. It was inconsistent inconsistent. with itself. It's that irrationality. It's irrational. Yeah. Like, it's not so, even consistent.
0: So so what happens to us, and this goes back, think this through, Nathan. This is really what you were talking about in the AMA, the Ask Me Anything, and what you were just talking about a moment ago. We have to take the time to be unhurried. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know that that is a, a truism, right? You have to take the time to be unhurried. It sounds tautological. Fair enough. But if we don't take the time to just step back and say, hmm, the cancer diagnosis was positive. Hmm, this terrible thing. I mean, I get it. Your natural instinct is just to be like, ah, this is terrible. It's all going to come. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, let's think this through. Jesus died on a cross. He rose again the third day. He sent his Holy Spirit. He said he's coming. This is going to be okay. You know what? You know what? I'm totally overwhelmed right now. And I don't see my way out of this. But God's got this. Jesus is Mm -hmm. going, Jesus is going to do a thing here. And I believe, and when you just take the time to breathe to downregulate and Mm -hmm. to process what God has done and then ask yourself the question, is it fair to extrapolate into the future what he will do based on what he has done, you're going to be okay.
1: Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, what else you got? I kind of
0: just shot my shot. That's my shot. Yeah, that's
1: fine, that's fine. 469. I love 469. You you see this sort of progression. The people... uh, cursed Moses and Aaron. Right. Then their feelings rose against God.
0: Yeah. Right? I mean, it's just this. transition.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, oh, how about this one? Stay yeah. on
0: 469. Did anybody else pick up on this? Bottom of that same paragraph. Uh, this is 389 of the original. And they went so far as to appoint a captain. I thought this was funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I wrote LOL here. To them, this is a leadership issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like They think Moses is not our guy. That's what they're thinking, mm-hmm. right? Like we've already seen them complain against Moses and they literally think, you know what we have here? We have a leadership problem. Yeah. This isn't an us problem. This is a leadership problem. Now I'm going to make another application that might make some people unhappy. Um, what, okay, I'll tell you a, a little story here and I'm, I'm certainly going to upset people, but I'm not saying this to upset people. I'm just going to tell you my experience. I lived in Australia for seven years, missed the second half of the second Obama presidency and all of the Trump presidency, missed it. Right. I was in Australia Mm -hmm. and you've had the experience, Nathan, where you've been away from somebody for a number of years or maybe a year and they've either put on weight or they've lost weight or they've they've gotten really muscular. Something something has changed in them. Impeach Moses. Impeach Moses. Exactly. So and you see them and you're like, whoa, they've changed. Right. They've changed. That's how I felt when I came back to the United States of America. I was like, what happened to this country? This is a totally different country. Now, if you were living in that sort of seven, eight year period, you probably were detecting that there was a change. But as somebody who was living in Australia, very didn't visit very often, came back, I was like, what happened to this country? This country's lost its mind. And by the way, this is not a political statement. The country's lost its mind on, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle on, you can lose your mind. You know, the door of, of folly swings to the right and to the left. But here's the thing. There were people that were like, Donald Trump is the guy, he's our guy, he's the one. And then there were a whole bunch of other people that said, Donald Trump is the worst, he's not our guy. This other person's gonna be our guy. And in this case, Joe Biden. Okay, friends, let me tell you something. I got news for you here. These guys are not your problem. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay, at at the end of the day, Donald Trump is not your primary problem. He might be a problem for you. Maybe you don't like him. Maybe you don't like the way he does his hair. Maybe you didn't like his policies. I'm not here to defend them or to attack those policies. I'm simply here to say, you got a bigger problem than Donald Trump, and you got a bigger problem than Joe Biden. Do you know what your problem is? You. Mm. Martin Luther said as much. He said, of all the popes that there have ever been, the pope I fear the most is the, the pope in my own heart. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Right, and so at the end of the day, they're tempted to say, you know what? We just need a new captain. We need yep. a new leader. Yep. Friends, <laughs> no president is gonna fix your heart. No politician is gonna give you faith. Mm. like. These people, and by the way, I'm not saying the things they do is not important. They have things they can do, and things can be done well, and things can be done not well. I'm not making a political statement. What I'm saying here is is that these people believed they had a leadership problem. Now, what they had was a heart problem. A personal problem. They have a personal problem. Mm -hmm. And what you and I have, the main problems that face us day in and day out, the actual stuff that our life is made up of is not the stuff that Joe Biden is doing. And it's not the stuff that Barack Obama or Donald Trump was doing. It's the stuff that you and I are doing how are we treating people? How are we relating to people? How are we spending our money? How are we spending our time? How are we taking care of ourselves and our families? That's the thing. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And it's really easy to say, you know what? My life would be so much better if we just got rid of Moses. Moses is the problem. Yeah. So they appoint a captain. And their real problem is- Sorry, I went on a little rant there. No, but it's, I just it's, it's I a, just laughed about that. I was like, they really think that they're not their own problem. Yeah.
1: Are you, are you with contagious, me? Or am I yeah, crazy? and their problem really was contagious unbelief. Ooh. Say so, okay. Unpack that. Unpack that. So I mean, you, you got a group of people that's on the cusp of the of the Canaan land, and they're right. insi- they're excited, they're enthusiastic, and and then the ten come back, and they have unbelief, and their unbelief is contagious. Right. And that begins to spread through the community. So Here's they're
0: a, okay. Yeah. Okay, so go. their
1: problem is. That their
0: unbelief is contagious. Okay, so here's a question I have for you, Nathan. Why wasn't the faith and the belief of Joshua and Caleb contagious? Why wasn't it similarly contagious? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I think you just gave the answer. I think the answer is is that I think that the unbelief was already in the heart. It was looking for expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when 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 we already have an idea in our heart, we already have an unbelief or a doubt in our heart, and somebody else comes along and gives voice to that, then it catches fire with what's in us. But the converse could have been true. If the congregation had been largely trusting, largely believing, largely confident in Yahweh, yeah, mm-hmm. and the 10 say, no way, it's tough. And then Joshua and Caleb say, are you kidding? We've got this. They're bred for us. Our God is able. That would have kindled in the believing hearts that are already yeah, there. And yeah, they would yeah, have yeah. been like, absolutely. Yeah, God, who these are these 10, jokers? Who are these jokers? We've got this. Yeah, yeah. So all they were doing was igniting what was already there, which gets us back to our earlier point that God can't create in us against our stubborn insistence. Otherwise, mm-hmm. belief or faith—that yep. is such an incredible idea. Yeah. That, that, and and then this there's another great point here, Nathan. Choose your friends wisely. Ugh. Choose your community no wisely. Doubt about that. Right? Like, who are you spending time around? Are you around people that are tending to? Increase your confidence in God, your faith, Mm. your love for others, your appreciation of Jesus and of his word? If the answer to that question is no, find new friends. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is one of the decisions that Violetta and I made, and I know you've done the same, Nathan. Hmm. When it comes to parenting, especially teenagers, like literally one of the top three or four or five most important decisions you can make in parenting teenagers is put yourself in a situation, in a context, in a community where your teenagers can find good friends. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean because I look back at my own teenage years and you know when I got into trouble? When I was hanging out with the wrong people. Yeah. And you know when my life got on the right track? When I ran into some great people.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's true. It's very And
0: true. and so choose who is in your circle. And if there's people that are dragging you down and you know when you're around them you you find yourself using words you don't like to use and telling jokes you wouldn't like to tell, tell and and watching things that you wouldn't normally watch. And then here's what you need to do. You need to exercise a little bit of self-discipline here Mm -hmm. and cut those people out of your life. Not Mm -hmm. in a mean Mm -hmm. way, but this is up to you. You've got to choose who's your community, who's your crowd, who's your tribe.
1: You like that? I do, I do. You know, I found this little section here on the actual punishment to be incredibly powerful. Where, where are 471. We 471. 471. In their rebellion, the people had exclaimed, if only we had died in the wilderness. Right. Now this prayer was to be granted. The Lord declared, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of those who complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who are numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, but your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, Hmm. and they shall know the land which you have despised. And he said, and of Caleb, he said, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. As the spies had spent 40 days on the journey. So, the hosts of Israel were to wander in the wilderness for forty years, and I thought of Matthew chapter uh, seven, Matthew okay. seven verses one and two, Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus says there that we should judge not uh, let me read it to you, just let me turn there Matthew seven, do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged with the measure you use, it will be measured to you in other words, how we judge will come upon us and they had judged they said you know we're gonna die in the wilderness Would have been better and,
0: to have died in the wilderness and god is
1: like all right well if you think you're gonna die in the wilderness you're gonna die in the wilderness and then and then god does the opposite i, I just like how the punishment it absolutely corresponds to the the sin well megan just said
0: on the instagram live um she said be careful what you ask for and that's yeah, exactly, exactly right like they've there's actually a certain humorous irony in this yeah that's right where they're like hey it would have been better and, and somebody here's saying who is this eclectic eyes 74 says we can't manipulate God that's exactly yeah. right this is an attempt at manipulation we've all seen we have children we've seen our children try and do this oh it would have been and and they're playing hoping to oh yeah you're right to, to get a change a shift in the parent and too often parents accommodate they're like okay well mm-hmm. what do you want but God's not that way you know, God is going to be true to Himself. He's going to be true to the situation. And when He says this is this is what you're basically asking for, then this is what you get. There's a certain poetic justice in
1: that. Yeah. yeah. Now,
0: by the way, we should say that all of those people that died in the wilderness—it doesn't mean that they couldn't be saved. Yeah. It doesn't mean that all. they're. We're going to meet some of these hard-hearted, knuckle-headed people in the new heaven and the new earth. And we're going to talk about this, and it's going to be interesting to meet them. Mm-hmm. So so this was not a terminal decision about their eternal destiny. That's right. It was just that God can't do for them what they're not going to cooperate with God in doing because the thing requires confidence in God, which is to say faith or belief. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know what's so interesting on that manipulation point? Their repentance was effectively a manipulation tactic. Correct. too. Right, she says. Now they seemed sincerely to repent of their sinful conduct, but they sorrowed because of the result of their evil course, rather than from a sense of their ingratitude and disobedience. It's like mm. the, it's like the guy it's that's the The guy that's in jail, and he's just like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." And the chaplain overhears the guy in the cell crying, and then the chaplain says, "Oh, you know," he thinks, "I've got somebody that's really sorry, really repentant." And the chaplain comes and says oh man, what are you so sorry about? He's like, I'm just so sorry I got caught. Right. Right? Like that's kind of the way this repentance is. It's not a repentance. She
0: makes the point several times. It's not a repentance for the unbelief or for the action, but for the consequences of the action. Yeah. And and I'm just going to read the author of Hebrews chapter three, verses 16 to 19, how he summarizes this, this situation. Yeah. Right. He just tells us how to think about it. It's one of the great things about the New Testament is that the New Testament sort of Gives us the lens through which to view the Old Testament, right? It's an inspired commentary on the Old Testament. So listen to this. uh, Hebrews chapter 3, beginning of verse 16. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now, with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? Mm -hmm. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. See, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Yeah. And, and we're back to and the point. And funnily enough go. about the,
1: the Greek there, the word unbelief and the word disobedience are the same, same word. word. A, A, uh, apostia, Yeah. right? So without faith,
0: right? Without faith, mm-hmm. apostia or apostia, it's without pistis, the mm-hmm. absence of faith, the absence of belief. And we're back to this point about if somebody says to me, hey, David, would you move that chair? Sure, I'll move the chair because I can do that. Yeah. But if somebody says to me, David, move the house. What? Well, I, Move the house. Mm-hmm. This is a giant house. How can I move this house? I'm one person. And one of the major themes here, Nathan, and I highlighted it several times, is how righteousness by faith is actually, and this is actually kind of the point that the author of Hebrews is making, that righteousness by faith is sort of underneath this, where mm-hmm. they're in a situation where only God can pull this off.
1: Right, right, right.
0: And what they need to do is to believe that God can pull it off, they refuse to believe that God can pull it off. Mm-hmm. But then after God says, well, it's going to be like this and you're going to go back in the wilderness, they then try to do, she actually uses this language. Let me just show you this language. It's yeah. quite interesting. She uses very like Christian language, righteousness by faith language. Okay. Listen to this. This is page uh, 472, 392 of the original. A paragraph begins, the night was spent in lamentation. Yep. With the morning they came to hope. They resolve to redeem their cowardice. Mm. They're going to save themselves. They're going to fix the situation. They're going to do what they can't do. Yeah, I love I right?
1: love this. This is so, that sort of poetic justice that you mentioned right. earlier.
0: When God had bidden them go up and take the land, they had refused. Now, when he directed them to retreat, they were equally rebellious. They determined to seize upon the land and possess it. It might be that God would accept their work and change Ooh. his purpose toward them. That's That's the language of salvation. That's the language of faith and of works. She's clearly driving, and she does it again. Jump down to the next paragraph. Um, The paragraph that begins, uh, God had made it their privilege and their duty. I'll come back to that later. But go down right to the bottom of that paragraph, bottom of page 472, 392 of the original. Sentence says, they had distrusted, which is just another synonym for unbelief. Mm -hmm. They had not believed. The power of God to work with their efforts in gaining possession of Canaan, yet now they presumed upon their own strength to accomplish the work independent of divine aid. This is salvation language. This is reformation language. Right, right. And I thought, wow, this is a really great lesson for us because God is trying to get us into the new heaven and the new earth, into the promised land. Mm -hmm. And there's an appointed way, Nathan, that that's going to happen. It's through faith. It's through faith. And if we don't do it by faith, you're not going to be able to do it the next day by being a good person. God accept my work, exactly. No, I was really good, and I donated a lot to charity, Mm -hmm. and I did a lot of great things. And then Jesus is going to say, "Yeah, but but that's not how you get into the promised land. You get into the promised land by by my power, by my goodness, by by my plan." No, no, but yeah, that's true. But that didn't work out for me, so I'm going to go around this other way. And I hate to say it, and you'll know what I mean by this. There's going to be a lot of good people that are lost. Because mm. they were too good. They were—they never realized that they were sinners in need of a Savior, mm. that they needed to lean totally into the righteousness of Christ. They thought, in fact, they do these surveys where they basically ask people, do you think there's a heaven? Do you think there's a hell? And, you know, X number of people say, yeah, I think there is or whatever. You know, these Barna mm-hmm, surveys. Mm-hmm. And then they say, you know, do you think you're going to heaven? And it's like Everyone basically went. everybody thinks they're going to heaven.
1: Because they're good. Be- because
0: because they're, God's going to accept be- their work. Basically because they're not Hitler, because they're not Mao. Because they're not Stalin, they're better than those people, and it's a little bit of that here. Yeah. Like, no, you cannot do this. No way, no how. You're not getting into the Promised Land. There are giants in that land. The, the cities are walled. You are a bunch of shepherds turned slaves. You're disorganized. You're murmuring. You're, you're knuckleheads. Mm-hmm. You can't. But God could do this. Yahweh could do mm-hmm. this, and this is what should have happened at the base of Sinai where they said, "No, what, what us keep this covenant." No, they should have cried out. Like somebody said, God, help mm-hmm. our unbelief. What If they would have done that on the threshold, God would have said, I can work with this. Yeah. I can work with something
1: that's empty, but I can't work with something that's full. I love it. Bam. Okay. I, you know, I've just been thinking about Hebrews 4 since you brought up the Hebrews 3 text. It says specifically uh, that we also have the good news proclaimed to us. The implication is they had the good news proclaimed, proclaimed to them. To
0: them. The good and news, then it says, yeah.
1: just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Correct. Which so, is which Joshua, is and, Joshua and, Caleb. and Caleb. Yeah, and so it's it's so fascinating that, that the New Testament does, and, and Ellen White does it, it orients this all around that sort of faith and works. Totally. She's faith done that on obedience. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: By the way, you want to see another really cool thing? Um, oh, here's another little cool little righteousness by faith point. Go to... Uh, uh, 473, bottom of that very, very bottom, page 473, 393 paragraph begins regardless of the divine sentence. Regardless of, of the divine sentence, the Israelites prepared to undertake the conquest of Canaan. Watch mm-hmm. this. Equipped with armor and weapons of war. Watch this. <laughs> this is such great language. In their they were, own in their own estimation, fully prepared for the conflict. Friends, there are going to be a lot of people lost that, in their own estimation, are mm-hmm. going to make it. They're going to be there. The problem is, is that they're going to get slaughtered by the enemy, right? They go up, they're looking at themselves in the mirror, you know, sort of puffing out their chest. They got a, you know, the the pot on their head and the stick in their hand. And they're like, no, we are warriors. Mm. We are more than able. And and God is, you know, half Mm. chuckling, half crying, saying, not only are you you not warriors, you're going to get demolished. The next pair, then she talks about Jericho. And I knew, it's funny, I knew that she would talk about Jericho at some point in this chapter mm. when I started reading it. Because how was Jericho conquered? You know, by, how does she say by it? By
1: faith, by the power of God. And, and by. How, you read it earlier, this, um, when it, she says, not by military might. Where was that section? Oh, it's... Um by obedience to the commands, that's on the top of page uh, four seventy three. Oh, yeah, next It was not by it was not his purpose that they should gain the land by warfare, but by strict obedience to his commands. Yeah, which is exactly what happened with Jericho. Exactly, it, were, it required faith, like to think that trumpets and marching in
0: an ark can conquer yeah. a walled city. No, yeah. that's 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 crazy. But that's no less crazy than thinking that you're going to do it with your stick in your hand and your little pail on your head and you're marching in against these walled cities. Yeah. No. And you know what's fascinating? On that last page, almost uh, like the third to the last paragraph, listen to this very, very interesting line. This is when they're going to attack the next day, mm-hmm. when they try to do in their own strength, what they refuse to let God do in his omnipotence. Yeah. The attacking armor, army had no leader. Yeah, I saw that. That is so interesting. They they don't, they think it's a leadership issue. Yeah. Right. They're like, we don't want Yahweh. We don't want Moses. We don't we need a new leader, but nobody
1: wants to lead this ragtag band. And so they go in and they get themselves obliterated. And you know what's amazing is the last sentence of that paragraph. They presumptuously challenged the foe that that had not dared to attack them. Yeah. So it's so fascinating. Like God's, it is God's will that the Canaanites be overthrown, but she actually brings out the point that in attacking them at this moment, it was an unjust act. Right. Yeah, She's but- criticizing them. Because they they didn't actually have the right to attack this foe at this moment. Yeah, because in a way, think of it this way. Here's a cool thought. These people
0: are not the enemies of the Israelites. They're the enemies of God. Mm. Right? I mean, that's a cool right, thought. Right. Like, like, Israel is almost incidental to this situation. This is God's land that he's promised to Abraham. Yeah, and he's and- not driving. He's
1: driving the, them out because they... Their iniquity, Their iniquity is full, in Genesis 15, That's 16. right, he's not driving, and, 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 and the fact he's that- he's not playing favorites. And the fact that Israel gets to occupy the land, is, is it's like, okay, well, Israel gets to occupy. It's not like God is like, let's get rid of these guys so the Israelites can be there. Correct. God is saying, I've given these people 400 years of probation. Right. They've not responded with true repentance Correct. and reformation, so they're leaving. So when Israel gets in there and attacks, it's an unjust attack. I, I love that point. That these people are not the enemies
0: of Israel so much as they're the enemies of God.
1: Yeah. And when, yeah.
0: when they go up to try and wage a war that's not their war to wage, God can't bless that. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! By the way, that's back hot. in the chapter, you want to know what's really hot about that. Back in the chapter on the, the law given at Sinai, which she's mm-hmm. sort of itemizing the Ten Commandments, she says that the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal, forbids wars of conquest. That's, she says that. she yeah, says yeah, yeah. She says that the Eighth Commandment forbids wars of conquest. Well, that's... For God to drive them out in his way, because they're they're his enemies. Right, right. They've set themselves against God.
1: The the, the Canaanites, the Amorites. Oh, I just yeah. had this
0: incredible thought. Look at yesterday's chapter. Yeah. Look at yesterday's chapter. This just came to my mind. Uh let me go find it. I'm looking, I'm looking. Okay, on page, uh-oh, where is it? Oh, here it is. Page 453 of types and symbols, 377 of the original, where she quotes numbers 10, 35 and 36.
1: Look at this. So it was, remember, she's let talking Let your about... enemies be. I exactly. know exactly where you're going. Read it. So it was whenever the ark set out that Moses said, Rise up, O Lord, let
0: your enemies, enemies
1: be scattered. And let those who hate you
0: flee, flee before, before you. you.
1: See, so, so this is a oh, this is an, God this is, is. This, is a, this, this, is, is, this, this is, is a sermon. This is huge. This is a sermon. This is huge. Right. I mean, not not only is it a sermon, but it's actually a theological orientation. Yes, that is absolutely essential, right? So because good. there's such a criticism, like Israel's going and committing genocide, and right. Israel, it's it's this sort of um, uh, what's the word that we use, the colonial idea, right? right? right. Like, and and like that's this is some not, kind of an
0: ethnic cleansing. It's the over. That's not what's going on no. here. God is, God is working with these people, 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 right? God mm-hmm. is not only working with Israel and these people that God has granted probation to, this the, the rain falls on them, the sun falls on them, they get to see sunsets, mm-hmm, they get to mm-hmm. hear beautiful music. They, God's working with them too, in his own way, in his own time, and they have set themselves against Yahweh. That's right. They're the enemies of
1: Yahweh. Again, remember, and they're not enemies for something trivial, right? They're like burning right? they're burning their children. Exactly.
0: I mean, right. there's a lot of horrific things that are going on there. Their cup of iniquity is full, and God's like, okay, I am going to, I am going to drive them out, and then you can occupy this land filled, you know, that's flowing with milk and honey. And then, they're like, no, 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 no,
1: we're going to do it. And so they try to so war they, of
0: conquest.
1: Oh, and God is like, yeah, no, that's a
0: violation of the eighth commandment. I mean, this is amazing. This
1: is incredible. I it's really so like that. that. You know what's so fun about this, and and this is why it's important to actually study the Bible with people, like with like in the social context. Agree. Because in this social context, God actually works. We see this in the early Advent movement, right? right? Where they're praying and studying and truth unfolds. Many minds
0: are in a room reading, because Nathan will have ideas, and I've mentioned this before, that that, I, oh, that never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. And then something he says reverberates off something that I say and vice versa. And then at a third, a fourth, a fifth, and before you know it, truth, like truth, like how we really live and how we understand Scripture is an emergent property of a community. The New Testament is written, yeah. the Bible is written to a community. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And that it was even, designed to be read and listened to in groups and then discussed. And then here like we this. are,
1: two ministers, and we're totally forgetting about the text in Deuteronomy chapter one. And good people here are like, hey, what about Deuteronomy exactly. one? Exactly. So it's not even like there are people who are professionals who know, and then there are people who are not professionals well who don't know. Yeah, the, everybody plays a role in this. The
0: work of studying the Bible and of seeking to understand God's will and God's word is too important to be left to the experts. Yeah, and and we all need to get in, and this is why you want to get in a small group. You want to get in a Bible study, back to That's our tribe. Right. You want to surround yourself with people who are going where you're going, who are loving who you're loving. Who you've got to do that. Yep, yep. And even if you, I have people saying, "Oh, my church is dead. My church, this, the pastor, this. Okay, this is." Okay, I said that Biden's not your problem, Trump's not your problem. I'm going to tell you something else. Your pastor's not your problem either. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, if I had the a nickel for it. every time somebody said to me, "Oh, my pastor, this or my pastor that," well, I got news for you. E, okay, fine. Then go find that other person or that other family or those other. Yeah. And I'm not talking in an isolationist way or an unkind way or a sectarian way. Just find your tribe, and then you can have this not contagious unbelief, Nathan, but contagious belief. Yes. I mean, I the last church I pastored here's a true story. The last church I pastored in Kingscliff had had a revival about 10 years before I arrived. And it's an amazing story how that revival took place. And the, the, a number of families just started getting revived in this church. And then people started sharing back then like CDs, and they started talking and they started sharing books. And then they made this commitment to read the Bible for an hour every day mm. and, and to, to start taking their religion seriously and to start going to church and reading their Bible and spending time with Jesus And all of a sudden, this revival breaks out in this church, right? I show up probably five years after this revival. It's the easiest church to pastor.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: The church was on fire. The church, I mean, I literally would pray this prayer. I would say, God, help me not to wreck this church. You know, because people would (laughs) say, oh, man, the Kingscliff Church, it's amazing. Great things are happening. I could take zero credit for the wonderful things that happened in that church. Because God was doing a thing. And I was a part of the thing that God was doing. I wasn't the leader. I wasn't the guy. I wasn't the expert, the know-it-all at the pointy end of the spear that's making it all happen. The sage on the stage. The sage on the stage. I I was along for the ride just like everybody else. And when it comes to local church situations, the pastor, I don't know. I don't want to speak to individual situations because I don't know your situation. But if you find that your pastor is amazing, then you're blessed. Like if you happen happen to have Nathan as your pastor, you're blessed. If you have somebody you don't get along with them or you don't like their sermons or whatever, they're not really your problem, Yeah. right? Find your tribe, find your community, find people with whom you can have a contagious, non-critical, non-sectarian, non-judgmental, Jesus-focused, service-oriented community.
1: That's what you're looking for. Amen, amen. I mean, I think of my wife. My wife was in high school and there was a beautiful Seventh-day Adventist woman who had a couple kids in her high school and she took my wife in and they started studying the Bible. And my wife became a Christian and they became really good friends. And, and your wife was the, not, you know, she was like a, just like a regular party girl. Yeah, she she was wasn't like, like in a the homecoming queen. Homecoming queen. And, and and the crazy thing is, is that the church that they went to was like 20 people. I mean, 20 people and, you know, there was no young people there. and And not a recipe for and, success. And yet, this woman who ministered to my wife, and then Becky started inviting people to small groups. Right here,
0: Sam Ella. I'm blessed because I go to the Madison Campus Church.
1: Amen. That's your church. Anyway, this uh, this culture that they created this culture, and lots of young women gave their lives to Christ. Woo! And Becky's. Becky's friend that led her to Jesus, Jean Jagger's her name. Yeah, Jean Jagger. She said... Um, I never met her, but I've just heard her say that name so many times. Jean Jagger looks back at that time when she, when Becky was her little mentor or mentee and other, other young women. It's like the best time of her life. And it's not like she was going to some hot church with great music and great preaching. And, and, and flashing lights and fog machines and the yeah, sage on just, the stage. It was just humble Bible studies in their home. Dude. Yeah. One...
0: 100 percent. Like when I think about the church that I came into, that I brought you into, there was nothing flashy about it. No thing. But what happened? You got converted. I got converted. Christian got converted. Justin got converted. Our friends. With that and we're community. still
1: seeing people years later from right. our community true. come to faith. God is good, man. Yeah. Amen. Okay.
0: We hope you enjoyed that lesson. Let's do our rubric. Did okay. You do the yeah, rubric? I did. Okay, good. Yeah. The point, the person, the prayer, the practice, and the promise, and then our word. I got to remember what my word
1: was. I had a really good one. Oh yeah, I got it. I know what it was. Um, Okay, here we go. Nathan, what was the point of this chapter? Uh, Well, I think one of the points is an ungodly influence can be a deadly contagion. Yeah, that's right. It spreads like COVID. It just spreads. Yep.
0: Here's what I wrote: to highlight the folly and insanity of trying to accomplish without faith that which can only be realized by faith. Right? The battle is the Lord's, 2nd Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. That's
0: why she uses all that irrational language, mm-hmm. right? That they were it didn't make any sense the way they were behaving. They were feeling and fearing.
1: Mm. Okay. Nathan, what do we learn about God in this? I I chapter? just wrote a simple sentence: God isn't a God who can be buffaloed by false repentance.
0: Ooh, I like the use of the word buffaloed. I would have Never guessed that in this session I would hear the word buffalo. <laughs> and I'm glad you worked that in there as a good South Dakota boy. What do you mean by that? God isn't a God who can be buffaloed by false repentance.
1: Well, you know, they're, uh, they're upset because they can't go into the Canaan land, and they're mourning, and they're lamenting, but there's no real sorrow for sin. There's right. no real change of heart. He can't heart. be manipulated. Yeah, God is, God's not being manipulated by that.
0: Here's what I wrote. Even God cannot accomplish the irrational. The impossible, yes, but not the irrational and the incoherent. God cannot make or coerce faith in a stubbornly unbelieving heart. Mm. He can turn water to wine, but he can't make people believing. He can't make people have faith. right? That violates all the, the covenantal rules of engagement, to use the terms of John Peck.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, how do we pray this chapter? Okay, uh, you know, I'm thinking about um, Hebrews chapter 4. Okay. That there were people who joined with that that failed to join with those who believe. So my prayer is: God, may I join with the people of faith who stepped out in obedience? Mm, may I join with the people of faith who stepped out in obedience. There's a huge communal part here. No, very much so. Yeah, you gotta choose your tribe. You gotta choose yes. your people. Yes.
0: I, I like what Victor says. Can you read that? Again? Yeah,
1: no false equivalence, just two sides of the same coin. Uh, no, this is—he's getting any? Yeah, uh, yeah. We're—it's we're, a part of a conversation yep, that we're
0: not yep. a part of. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, I thought it was something about that. Um, okay, this is what I put for prayer. By the way, that's great. God, help me not to compare myself to my problems, but to compare my problems, my trials, my struggles, my needs, etc., to you. Mm. The giants are giants to me, yes,
1: but not to you. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. The practice. How do we practice this chapter, Nathan? Develop my spiritual perception to better comprehend the spiritual undercurrents in the situations I encounter in life. You're obviously going to have to unpack that, right? So, So one of the things that happened here is they were irrational, right? They were just led by their passions. Their spiritual perception was not sharp enough that they understood what was happening when the evil report came. So my prayer is, God, help me to just have my my spiritual eyes wide open, right, so that I understand what's actually happening in these situations. I mean, it would be and in the world, can, the can wider you, world too. Can you imagine how easy it would have been to be a part of the people that were that were rebellious here? I mean, oh. it, you know, we criticize them, but how often do we see difficulties and trials, and we're just like, "Oh, this is a disaster. This is a nightmare." We just begin to go down that spiral of unbelief, right? I mean, it's an it's easy the path of thing least to resistance. do. Yeah. Yeah, no,
0: you, you, that's a, you make a very good point there. One of the things I, I just want to strongly encourage people—I did this for years, still do it, actually—one of the most practical things—this actually isn't my practic- prac- practice, but I want to just riff off of what you said there, Nathan. What you need to learn to do is to learn how to think biblically. You need yes. to create a biblical worldview lens through which you view reality. You can't just have the Bible and Jesus and O.T. with D.A. be tangential to your day-to-day life. We literally have to learn how to see reality. Yeah, a great word. To infuse reality with what Scripture says. And one of the best ways to do this is to read through and pray through the Psalms. Oh, yeah. Read and pray through the Psalms. Just do all 150 and however long that takes you, then start over. And just be continually in a cycle of reading and thinking and praying through the Psalms, reading and thinking and praying through the Psalms. Do that. I'm reading Eugene Peterson's book right now, A Long Obedience in the mm-hmm, Same Direction, which mm-hmm. is on the Songs of Ascent. I'm really excited about it. I love the Psalms because the Psalms, at least for me, this always had this function. And I think it's because years ago I read uh, uh, Laura Rondell's book, Psalms of Deliverance. Mm, I love it just, book. It just, it just conditioned me to say, wait a minute. And you know what else it was, crazily? Mm listening to the band Sons of Torah.
1: Oh, awesome. Absolutely. Like
0: just infusing my brain, my mind with the Psalms made me start thinking of things, not situationally, not culturally, not nationally. I mean, you can still bring all of that to bear, mm-hmm. but your reflex, your instinct is to think biblically. Wait yeah. a minute.
1: Wait a minute. God will deliver. Yeah. God is able. God- and Because the Psalms are the Torah lived out. Right. Right. How did, how did Israelites live out the principles of the Torah in their worship, in their lives? The Psalms show us how they did that. Yeah, I can't, so I can't it's practical say this religion. strongly
0: enough. Read and pray. And if you find some... Oh, by the way, another really great band um, that my wife sons and my Sons of Korah. Yeah, Sons of Korah. Another really great band that my wife and my sons turned me onto to a while back is this... Uh, have you heard of Shane and Shane? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so Shane and Shane... They have a number of albums that are just psalms. They just sing the psalms. And that's what Sons of Cora does. They just sing the psalms. And I'm sure there's other bands that do this. I'm forgetting. There's a band actually based out of Rapid City, South Dakota that does that That does that. It's awesome. So, if you know, I don't know if my style of music is your style of music. I love the Sons of Mm Cora and I really love the Shane and Shane psalms albums. But I just listen to those and it infuses my mind, Mm -hmm. not with... And don't get me wrong. There's other kinds of music I like as well, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. happy to listen to Bethel or or Hillsong or whatever. And some of their songs are good, but there's power in God's words. Not that there's not power in man's words about God's words, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you need to cut the middleman out. Yeah, Right? Because there's two kinds of words when it comes to religious words. There's God's word, and then there's words about God's word. Yeah, And there's nothing wrong with reading books. Like I just mentioned, I'm reading Eugene Peterson's book. Right. But just make sure that you're prioritizing God's word and not People's words about God's words, yeah. or people's songs about God's words. That what do you got? Bishop
1: Hopper is singing through the Psalms. That is great music. I love that. I've music. never even heard of it. Oh, really? No. That's this is like a first where I had some music. No, I've never, tend never to be heard of? the music.
0: No. Okay, well I'll look it up. Um, okay, here's my pra- uh My, are we in the practice? Yes. Yeah. Here's my practice. Oh, are you ready to believe the promises and the power of God? Super platitudinous, super simple, yeah, no. super cliche, and still. True, absolutely. To believe the promises of God and the power of God, not just as a theoretical exercise for ancient people, but day to day to believe God's got this situation. God has this. God and me are an unbeatable team. Not because I'm amazing, but because God's amazing. Mm. Woo! Uh,
1: on the next one, the promise. promise. What's God's promise? God, God will keep His promise of both justice and mercy to those who have faith. Or don't have faith. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's just it's just like, yeah. God is going to be true to himself. Right. God is going to be true to himself.
0: Here's what I put. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That was the problem. They couldn't think. Mm. They couldn't think. She uses that, and I'm just gonna remind you of it. They were desperate. They were rash. They had rash feelings. They were insane. It was madness. They were deluded. They uh, were bereft of reason. They had forgotten. Uh, They did not want to reflect. They did not reason, and they did not call to mind. Now listen again. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above above and beyond all that we ask or think Hmm. according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. When you find yourself Fearing and feeling and f- being tempted to flee. But that's what's happening here. Fearing, feeling, fleeing. Remind yourself, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's my God? Is my God Dagon? Is my God Baal? Is my God, what? It- no. Oh, my God's Yahweh. That's right. That's right. Yahweh is my God. Yahweh's the creator. Yahweh's got this. There's just absolutely nothing he cannot do. And I'm with God. I'm Amen. with Yahweh. Amen. Okay. Amen. All right, then uh, let's, let's see what everybody else has got here. Um you guys have your words? Let's see. Two perspectives. Bread and grasshoppers. Okay. Victor, what are your words here? They didn't ask or think what God could do. That's why they didn't enter the land. Ooh, good. Report. Yeah, report.
1: Vindication.
0: Vindication. Deluded. Deluded good word. Oh, justice. That's kind of mm-hmm. down your, uh, your thing there, Jim. Good job. Oh, very good, Hannah. Forgotten.
1: Forgotten. Leader. Giants. Yep. Yep. Consequences. consequences. Ooh, that's yeah. heavy.
0: Oh, think. think. Yeah, going down very Faithless, much the same line I did. Unbelief. Unbelief I'd already used, but she does use that word quite a little bit here. Irrational. Hey, D. Casper, that's my word. God bless you, D. That's my word. Irrational. Mm-hmm. Unbelief. 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 Distortions. Unbelief. In fact, you want to know something kind of funny? I'll tell you hmm. in a second. Let's just see a few more of these. Trust. Have you seen your word yet? Murmur. No. No, okay. Willful. Independent. Fearful seven. Fear. Ooh. Yeah, fear's a good one. Very good. You okay. guys want mine? Yeah, let's hear it. What is yours? Contagion. Oh, contagion. Yeah. They, because they were, you know, yesterday we just read that dissatisfaction is contagious. Yeah. That was in yesterday's yeah. chapter. So, let me guess it's going to be that the the unbelief was contagious. It was a contagion. Exactly
1: right. Yeah. Where
0: it could have been that the faith was contagious. That's exactly right. Okay. And like it just it. spread. Yeah. Yep. I, there, I'm going to do this the assumption play fearless. on words here. Twice, it's totally corny, but I'm a dad. It's kind of a, got that dad corniness to it. But twice in this chapter, she refers to them as behaving rashly. I looked up the word rash, and it literally means to behave without reason.
1: Hmm. Like
0: to not be thinking. And so my word here is going to be kind of a made-up word. It's ear rash. and all. right? Yeah. Totally cheesy. But I like the idea that we just need to, like you said at the very beginning, Nathan, slow down, get unhurried, get in the text, think. And then when these trials, when these difficulties come to us, when God challenges us with something that seems bigger than we could do, we won't immediately go feeling fear and fleeing. We'll think it through and say, oh yeah, that's right. This is Mm -hmm. impossible for me. But my God is Yahweh. Oh, that's yeah. right. I just remembered. God, Yahweh is my God.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I love I'm, that. I'm giving, you the, I'm giving you the final word here, name. Yeah, well, it's just, just exactly what Ellen White says. She says, they left, uh, wh- wh- where did, what did she say? They left God out. That's it. Right. They limited they just, the power of God. Um, okay, am I praying or are you praying?
0: Uh, you started. I finished. Okay. Yeah, that's right. There's my word, Megan.
1: Irrational totally cheesy, and I like it. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your love. We thank you that when we mistakenly bring to you our works, you you don't let us. You Mm. remind us that we have to trust in you, trust in your work, Mm. trust in your power. And uh, Father, we just pray that you would open our spiritual perceptions, mm, that we would see things as they are, yes, and that we would respond that. to you yes, and your right prompting by your Spirit. And Father, um, you're leading your people. May mm. we join with please. your believing people in this journey toward Canaan. Mm. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.